Gentlemen, Season 7, Episode 6 is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. That's right, it's the Billions Podcast here on Post Show Recaps, where we are breaking down the Showtime Series' seventh and final season, episode by episode. I'm Josh Wiggler. Today, we are talking about the sixth episode of Billions' final season, The Man in the Olive Drab T-Shirt. And I am joined here by someone who's not wearing an Olive Drab T-Shirt. In fact, I don't think you've ever worn an olive that I know of, Jess Sterling. Not a really big Olive green doesn't like your color. Uh, it's not bright enough, I don't think, for me. If I'm doing a neutral, it's usually a blue uh-huh. over a green. Yeah. Um, wait, who was the man? Now that I'm thinking about this, back about this episode, who the heck is the man in the Who's olive Who's the man t-shirt? in the olive? Uh, so when we were going into this episode, part of me thought that this was going to be, um, it was going to be Axe was the man in the olive yeah, shirt. Your mind, t-shirts. Your mind goes to the military, all of that stuff. It's President Zelensky of the Ukraine uh, is the man in the olive ah. drab T-shirt. Uh, that's mm. all like the the whole thing that's going on with Axe and like, uh, you know, the the weapons that he's dealing with, that he is fighting on. The, he's fighting the good fight. And so is John Malkovich, apparently, our allies here on behalf of Ukraine, uh, which is, man, really thorny territory. Once again, that Billions yeah. likes to get into the really topical stuff. We're going into the war between Russia and Ukraine. And we had gone into COVID before lockdowns happened back in season yeah. five of Billions. It always feels very touchy with this show. But I guess one of the things you can say about it, Jess, is the storytelling is bold. Uh, don't tell the creators of Billions, Brian Koppelman, David Levine, and Andrew Ross Sorkin what they can and cannot do. That's one thing they have in common with John Locke, who I think also sometimes has an olive t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, especially when it comes to their uh, their cameos and their guest stars. They're like, you don't think we could get Al Roker? Here's Al Roker. You don't think we could get some wrestler named you Triple, don't think we H? Get Triple H? Triple H? Here you go. <laughs> you don't think we can get Triple H? H here. And I like how every single time now it has been like, who does Chuck go to for advice next? And so I'm like, who does he go to for? He's gone. He's gone to now Triple H, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Who's next on the list to give Chuck some really solid advice? I guess at the very least, I feel like with Triple H coming into Billions, it made some sense to me because like they're trying to do. And I don't know wrestling at all. I think I know wrestling about as well as I understand the finances of Billions, mm, which is to say, mm-hmm. like, I don't. I just don't know. But yeah. I, like, vaguely understand, like, what a heel turn is at the very least. I feel and like, I, is that even, that's that's wrestling? Because I oh, feel like yeah. that could be anything. No, like a that's heel wrestling. Turn. It comes from okay. wrestling. The heel turn, it's like the baby face goes heel turn, goes baby face again. I, the, all of the wrestling people are blowing their ears out right now, being like, nope. I'm so sorry. Listen, all of my wrestling knowledge comes from the 90s. Um, so like Stone Cold Steve Austin, like uh-huh. can you smell what the rock is cooking? Yeah. Macho Man Randy Savage. Like what was he cooking, by the way? Dude, did we ever find out? Pot pie, chicken pot pie. Yeah. It's probably yep. a pot pie. It usually is Definitely. a chicken pot pie of some kind. Uh, uh, but yeah, but like it makes the- sense at least. They feel like Triple H being on the show. It's like, all right, we're going to have to get the people to like feel like John Malkovich was a bad guy. Then he's a good guy. Yeah. Then he's a bad guy. So like it kind of makes some sense. But yeah, billions, billionsing out really hard here in the halfway point of the final season, yeah. which feels wild to me, Jess. It's very quick. And, and yet 
I do think, I, I don't know. I feel like the pace has been pretty solid so far this season. Like I know where we're going. I know what the story they're trying to tell is. Um, obviously I always wish, wish there there's more acts in the show, but we do get him in this episode. And I feel like with the, with acts being indebted to Chuck, we're now like guaranteeing we're going to get more of him later, which yeah. is kind of like some nice little breadcrumbs for us. So I actually really liked this episode specifically because it felt old school billions to me where we're like, we're setting something up in the beginning. We have a teeny bit of a flashback. We're going to like, Chuck is going to talk about how he'd like to make everyone happy. And we're like, but how will he do it? Right. And then of course he does it. Yeah. Yeah. It was sort of like that classic dynamic that had been missing from the show for so long. Even if yeah. we didn't get a ton of Paul Giamatti and uh, Damian Lewis together on screen, the fact that we right. started the episode with the two of them in the middle of a clandestine meeting beneath the Aurora Borealis. The audacity of this show to be like, these men are so rich. They're just going to meet beneath the Northern Lights the Northern and not Lights. even mention that they are standing under one of the most beautiful sights in all of the world. And they're not even going to pay attention to it. The fancy billionaire shows, both of them in their final seasons, featured main characters meeting in extravagant, beautiful Nordic locations and not commenting on it at all. Like it's not very caring setting as a poor all. person yeah it sucks <laughs> it's very very fun though and it's really really good here for uh the final season of billions which we're podcasting about of course in the succession feed uh it's a sequel to our succession final season coverage here so make sure you're checking it out subscribe to the succession podcast here on post show recaps or just subscribe to everything we've got going on on post show recaps post show recaps.com slash subscribe is the way to do that. And if you want to get more involved, you can become a patron of Post Show Recaps when you sign up at patreon.com slash post show recaps. Sign up at any level. We would love to have you there. Patreon.com slash post show recaps. Send us to the Northern Lights by signing up at patreon.com slash post show recaps. Should that be a stretch goal, Jess? <laughs> We get to visit the Northern Lights if we reach a certain number of patrons. If we reach a certain amount of money. Mm. Uh, we reach a certain amount of money, and then we just, like, buy tickets to see the Northern Lights. That sounds fabulous to me. It'd be pretty good. It'd be pretty good. Uh, if you want to watch this on YouTube, you can watch the video on demand of the Billions podcast here at postshowrecaps.com slash YouTube is one way to do that. Uh, I'm not wearing an olive-colored T-shirt, but I am it's wearing green. Mint green, mint, mint green. green. Yeah, uh, getting into the mint greens, enjoying the mint greens here. Uh, plenty of mint to talk about here when it comes to billions, the money show. And this is a money episode of the money show here at the halfway point, where we are not only bringing Axe back into the equation, not only are we going to see Chuck and Axe in action together, but we're also going to advance all of the ongoing storylines that have been happening here. And we're going to uh, get some, uh, we're going to get to see an old friend or enemy, depending on how you look at this guy. So let's talk about the return of John Malkovich to Billions and so much more here, Jess, with a quick plot recap to kick things off. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. 
grab your leotard and jump in the ring because this week's episode of Billions is all about wrestling. We start the episode with Axe and Chuck meeting in Iceland under the Northern Lights, as we said before. Axe asks Chuck to provide safe passage for someone into the United States in exchange for a free favor from Axe. That person, Grigor Andalov. For a little refresher, if people haven't watched Billions recently, he was in season three and four. Yep, the John Malkovich character. Yeah, he's incredible. Powerful Russian oligarch, and he was forced to leave the country both by Chuck and Axe. Now, Axe and Grigor are are aligned, and Grigor needs back into New York to prevent his wife from getting billions in a costly divorce. Uh, Chuck knows that an Axelrod always pays his debts, so he agrees to help out, much to the chagrin of Solicitor General Adam DiGiulio, Attorney General uh, Dave, and Governor uh, Governor, Bob Sweeney, and even the ex-Treasury Secretary, Todd Krakow, who... Todd Krakow. Good goodness, him. I was just uh, watching him on Buffy, because I didn't know Danny Strong was on Buffy, and I'm Buffy. watching Buffy for the first time right now. Incredible. Yeah, he's, like, uh, in a fairly uh, major, like, side role on, on Buffy. Like, you know Danny Strong from a bunch of other stuff, but I did not know him from Buffy, so that's been a fun discovery for me. Anyway, he's back on Billions this week. Yeah, he's not only bankrolling the divorce, but he's also sleeping with Gregor's wife, so that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck approaches former wrestler and current chief content officer of the WWE, Triple H, for advice. Can you just say that sentence again for me, please? <laughs> I just need to like make sure that that happened on Billions. Yeah, Street. Chuck approaches former wrestler and current chief content officer of the WWE. Triple H. Triple H, right. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he wants to somehow take down multiple opponents with one simple move. Uh, so Chuck gets Grigor into the country by requesting him as an expert witness on a different case. And then Grigor decides he's going to threaten Krakow's life, forcing Krakow to not only shut down the divorce, but also the affair that he's been having going on with uh, Grigor's wife. Chuck then has him arrested, which pleases all of his little co- co-workers and the DA and all of them. Mm-hmm. And then Grigor makes a huge show of how loyal he is to Russia to appease his home country. So everyone wins, especially Chuck, who now has Axe indebted to him, which is huge. Huge, huge. huge. Uh, meanwhile, at NPC, the trifecta of Wags, Wendy, and Taylor are attempting a takedown of Prince. Wendy suggests that Prince get honest feedback from his employees, hoping she can knock his confidence enough to make him pull out of the presidential campaign. Unfortunately, she doesn't realize that Prince's wife, Andy, will pick up his broken ego and piece it back together. On the other side of things, Wags goes to work trying to convince Kate to jump ship so as not to ruin her own career prospects, but her father convinces her to stay on board because Prince will be a good ally and he's a good name to have in her pocket. So we have Mike Prince 1, the trifecta 0, uh, oh, and one last thing, because that's not enough. Chuck Sr. doesn't want Roxana raising their daughter Willow in a religious household. But Chuck, after getting advice from his mistress, his former mistress, convinces him that if he acquiesces now, he can have more control in the long term. So Chuck wins. Big win this episode, I don't Josh. understand what's going on with this uh, storyline of Chuck Sr., which I feel like they just, because Jeffrey DeMunn is so good and so loathsome as Chuck Sr., that they just have to give Chuck Sr. things to do if we're going to keep having him on the show. But I guess I just don't understand why we're getting into the territory of like, uh, my family's too religious. This is no good. Other than to kind of, I suppose, underscore that Chuck his entire life has been most at home when there is like a control that he is pushing up against. I do think this is a way 
for the, I mean, obviously it is a way to get Chuck Sr. back in on things and get him more on the show and bring back um, Rick Hoffman, who's playing the the doc again, the like the really disgusting, loathsome doc. Um, but I also do think Are it you is checking a way... out Suits Daily? He's very big on Suits. Is he? I'd he be interested is. to watch him because he's such a, a fascinating character on this show that I'm like, what are they possibly doing with him on any other show? Huge, 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 huge character on, on Suits. Check out That's Suits incredible. yourself, SuitsPodcast.com. So I do think it's also a way to kind of dig into Chuck's upbringing and not just his upbringing, but like how he has changed like over the, these seven seasons of Billions where he sees what his father is doing. He knows how he was affected by it, being raised by the same man. And he doesn't necessarily want Willow to go through the same thing. And so basically he's, I, I like this version of Chuck who is like tapping on the knowledge of others to gain insight into how to operate yeah. and then using that to manipulate people around him, um, especially his father, who is such a jerk all the time. Like he just, he can't help himself. He needs to be in control of every situation. And his, his idea was, oh no, me and Roxanne are going to get divorced and then I'm going to get custody of Willow. And I'm just like this poor baby child, Willow. No, no, no. Don't no. let her do that. Get get her out of there. Get her out of there, but she's not going anywhere. Um, Let's move off of Chuck Sr. Because I think that that's basically all I've got on Chuck Sr. And I think we've got to go to the biggest story of the episode is not just the return of Bobby Axelrod for, I guess, his third episode of mm -hmm. six episodes this season so far. And uh, once again, other than episode two, which is like all acts all the time. Episode one, he just shows up at the very end. And here he's just at the beginning and the end, just bookending an yeah. episode. So like Damian Lewis, it's like it's like it's like going into a pool, Jess. Uh, it's like a really hot day. It's such a hot day. And you want to go into the pool to cool off. But the pool's really cold. And so you're like, I can't just jump in this thing. I got to just go in slow. Oh, gosh, I should have just jumped in. But I'm like, oh, I can't like tiptoe in. He's tiptoeing mm -hmm. in. Just cannonball, my dude. Cannonball into the middle of the pool on a hot summer's day. Bobby Axelrod, just jump in. The water's fine. We need you down here, bud. Come yeah. on. I love any, I mean, anytime Ax is on my screen, I'm really happy. And I so really happy. thought, I thought the way they did this as like a way to get Axe back in with Chuck makes sense. And also is really fun because this show really does love to use people they've had on the show in the past. Obviously we talked a lot about Brian Connerty last episode and now we have Grigor making another appearance. And Was there not Grig enough Brian Connerty doing hibachi in this episode for you? Cause I can tell you, I was missing the hibachi girl. <laughs> I was missing it. I'm yeah. like, Kate, go talk to Brian Connerty again, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did like the storyline and I thought it made a lot of sense. Um, and, and to have Grigor, who was a really like a brute force guy when he was on the show in the, in seasons three and four, um, he, he really did. He could go toe to toe with, with Bobby. And it makes sense that Bobby is still like very afraid of this man that like threatened to basically kill him if he didn't help him out by getting him back into the States. Right. So I really liked the storyline. What I really... makes you think that anything in my past says this is threat? That's my John Malkovich <laughs> as a Russian man uh, impression. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I think so. My memories of his character from Billions, like 
all of the past of brilliance swirl billions swirls did i say brilliance because it's brilliance brilliance. Yeah. brilliance uh it all swirls together for me jess into like one amorphous pool of like ridiculously fast quippy dialogue and people betraying each other left and right so my memories of the john malkovich character are like part of that primordial ooze of my memory of yeah. billions with the added wrinkle of him being um one i mean it's john malkovich so many of his roles are iconic but one of his more iconic roles uh is as teddy kgb in the film Rounders, uh, which comes from the creators of Billions, in which he also plays like a big Russian mobster of a very different type. He's like Mm -hmm. a king of like the illicit poker world, Teddy KGB, and he loves Oreo cookies. He'll like do like fidget, he fidgets around with like, uh, he like unscrews the top of an Oreo cookie and he like eats them really weird. And that's his tell. And that's how Matt Damon like goes toe to toe against John Malkovich as Teddy KGB in Rounders. So like, I think that it has to have been like, they they wanted John Malkovich on the show. They were creating this Russian oligarch character back in the day. And they're like, can we just like extend the lifespan of Teddy KGB and get Malkovich back? And Malkovich yeah. is just like game for sure. Stuff. So he came back for it. So like in my mind, it's very hard to separate separate out the two uh, billions creators created John Malkovich Russian men. Uh, so like I don't really remember much of what happened. It seems like it didn't end well for him with no. Axe or with Chuck. Your memory of this stuff is probably a lot yeah, more, so at least more recent than mine. What what ended up happening is like he does invest money with Axe Capital, but then he gets really pissed off at Axe and he reinvests that money in Taylor Mason Capital back when they were like more two separate entities. Yeah. And then because like he did something illegal or something like that, basically Axe and Chuck work together to force him to leave the U.S. So he does not leave on good terms with either one of those characters. Obviously, we see the beginning of this episode that him and uh, Axe are working closely together um, about, like, basically, I think it's Axe financed the weapons, Gregor sourced them. So they're kind of working, they're aligned. uh, They have similar interests, at least. Right. I really like having this character back because he is a threatening presence and not in the same way that a Chuck or an Axe is threatening in like a very, I will cause you physical body bodily harm. Yeah, he's basically saying like, I'll have you assassinated. Look, And what do you make? What yeah. makes you think that I won't have you assassinated? I just told you that all my friends just got assassinated. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like doing this at the time that there's like, there are like high profile Russian assassinations happening yes. IRL right now. So again, it's like hot stove billions, but go off, go there, do what you're going to do. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that it was really interesting that they were t- tying Malkovich back into the story in this way. Um, And I knew that he was coming back because he was in the trailer for, for the season. I don't think that like we are going to have a ton of Grigor on our screens. In I fact, feel like I, this might be it. I would guess that this is it. I would guess the way he, how, how are you going to do better than this? Than him being like, I love my home country. Yeah, screw yeah. America. Yeah, screw <laughs> America. Uh, so he just like pieces out and is made to like, you know, they're basically trying to get him uh, not assassinated when he returns. Yeah, Whether or not that point. works is another question. Uh, that it's a maybe, little OTT. Maybe trillions will answer this question maybe john malkovich uh will be the star of trillions jess that'd be incredible i would love to, i would watch it i would I watch mean, it all day i think it'd be a lot but i think one of the things that the final season is doing 
it seems like this maybe does not bode super well if I really want Brian Connerty to be like a big part of the final season here, Jess. And maybe I should just be happy with what I got. Mm-hmm. I think we're like revisiting the nooks and crannies of billions, right? Like I think that yeah. we are along the way, like Clancy Brown gets his cowboy boots and gets to testify on behalf of Chuck, right? So we get to yeah. revisit one of the big bads from Once Upon a Time. Brian Connerty, a heel turn uh, had occurred with Brian Connerty yeah. once upon a time. I think I did that right. Uh, we get to check back in with him. John Malkovich, hugely important for seasons three and four. He comes back for just a quick second. It's like, who else are we going to be bringing back? And what are we doing? Like, is this just fan service? Is this just like a final tip of the cap to these people? The tip of the axe cap to these people as we're wrapping up this show closing down billions, setting the stage for millions and trillions and staying in this universe in some capacity? Or is there like some sort of narrative reason for why we are bringing all these people back in? And I think that that all for me boomerangs back to the question of Chuck and Bobby. Uh, Bobby Axelrod and Chuck having their first meaningful interaction with one another since Axe escaped. Chuck had him dead to rights. Through Mike yeah. Prince, Axe is, a- Axe is able to leave. Axe has been walking and living the good life in Europe. Uh, Chuck now o- is owed a favor by by Bobby. There are only six episodes left in this thing, Jess. The amount of time on the clock to like shift away from targeting Mike Prince and suddenly targeting Bobby Axelrod feels like it's rapidly winding down, and I'm not sure how the show can pivot and do both things. So is there something about, like, let's revisit the Hall of Fame of the Rogues Gallery. Let's look back at some of the bad guys and the adversaries along the way and recontextualize the fact that, like, under the right circumstances, these people from the old Warriors Code can work together. And is it all just, like, rallying and marshalling the forces to get us to be back in a mode where Chuck and Axe are going to work together to take out Mike Prince, and that's the end game of the show? It feels like that's what it's doing. Now, it would be very billions of the show to pull a heel turn at the last minute. I I wouldn't be surprised if in the last two episodes, let's say we wrap up the Mike Prince storyline or are wrapping it up by episode 10 or so, that for the last two episodes, we do get a full-on Bobby versus Chuck again. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. It feels like, obviously, we're, we're leading in the direction of they need to team up to take down Mike Prince, obviously. That feels like where we're going. But it wouldn't – I mean – This show is billions, right? Like, it's all about Bobby versus Chuck. That's where we started. It feels like that's ultimately, it feels like a little cyclical. That's probably where we'll end up. Yeah. Um, Now, I like, right now, I like that they have to align together. I think it's fascinating that, like, they had, this has been a common interest for them previously, and that it will be again. End of season four, like season four-ish when they were on the same side for a while, right? Yeah. There was a time where they were like working well together. Exactly. And I think that, I think while Chuck recognizes that Bobby owing him a favor is massive and that Bobby does pay his debts, that he is true to that, and that Bobby holds a lot of weight. He He's a puppet master, right? He can like manipulate almost anything. So that is a good person to have owe you a favor. 
I don't think he's forgotten about the fact that Bobby got away from him. You know, I don't think he's going to let bygones be bygones. So yeah. to say, um, for the whole season, I think it's only a matter of time until the switch is flipped again. But for now, I like that they're up against Mike Prince because as we see with the trifecta of Wags, Wendy and Taylor, it doesn't seem like they're really, <laughs> they're not really getting the job done in terms of taking down Mike Prince. No one step forward, a couple million pieces of steps worth uh, backwards here as in the, the Mike Prince capital side of the storyline, we are seeing that Mike wants to get, um, let's get some feedback, right? Let's get some feedback from the people who know me the best and work the closest with me. Let's survey everybody at MPC and see how they feel about Mike Prince. And like everybody from Ben Kim to Dollar Bill is just puckering up and kissing so Mike funny. Prince butt. Uh, they were just like, you're the best, Mike Prince. I had a dream that you were the hurricane or whatever it is that Ben Kim says. Just like insane, insane stuff when it pertains to how they are just like glowingly praising and worshiping at the altar of Mike Prince before Mike Prince. And Wendy's like, none of this is real. None of this is actually how they feel about you. Let me conduct anonymous feedback. And if you really want to have this, and like if you can't handle the feedback that they're going to deliver, you probably can't be president. And of course, their feedback is like, he sucks. He's a loser. Super dork. Takes us to these egomaniac. parties. Egomaniac. Makes us go to his parties and think that he's the coolest guy at the party. Uh, Loves the and, smell of his own farts. Like the South Park episode was what was in my <laughs> mind. And then they say like the South Park episode, yeah. uh, which I thought was wonderful. Uh, and so they're, you know, they're giving the raw feedback. Mike doesn't like it. Totally uh, very sensitive guy here. And like his closest yeah. workers not being able to uh, tolerate his existence is very, very troubling for him. And I do think that there is a decent amount of Wendy feeling like, well, this will be it. Because, like, he's not going to be able to tolerate that nobody likes him. And if he becomes president, many more people are going to like him even less. Uh, right. And that's not going to be good for his ego. But all it takes is one Piper Parabo pump-up speech on the basketball court to get Mike back in the game. And what's worse, Jess, she's got Wendy's number. She knows, she knows what Wendy what's is up, up too. Yeah. Yes, yeah. because... This entire time, Mike has been has unwavering loyalty to Wendy. He really thinks that she is trying to help. He's like, I see what you're doing. I know you think I need to hear this type of stuff because it's going to prep me for the presidency and all of that. But no, Andy knows what Wendy is up to. And I loved, I really loved the scene on the basketball court between Mike and Andy, where she says like, don't you remember when you played college basketball? He's like, oh, those guys just needed to warm up to me. And she's like, yeah. absolutely not. They hated you too, until you started leading them to wins. And you know what? You were not all about the team. The team was all about you. They had to learn the path to glory ran through you and they, what they really love is a winner and like gosh she's so right and she knows him well enough to know how to kind of um kind of give him the information and the feedback he needs to hear but give it a little bit of like a sugary whipped cream topping right yeah. like calling him a winner is obviously going to boost his ego a bit but also kind of saying the reason they liked you is because you're a winner not because yeah. like you dazzled them with your personality um, and I, she's going to be a very dangerous enemy for Wendy, I think, because someone who I expected 
to be, to have Wendy's number in more than one way is Bradford Luke. Yes. And he doesn't see what she's up to, which was no. a bit of a shock for me, Josh. I thought he was going to be the one who figured out what she was, what she had going on. Always possible that Billions is doing like the, like the double bluff, triple blind, yeah. whatever. And like Bradford Luke is more onto Wendy than Wendy knows or that he's letting on to her or even to us. It's possible that that's the direction that this is going to go. But then one of two things happens is Bradford Luke is um, like, worse at this than we thought he was uh and so like his character is getting pretty undermined based on how high valued he was at the start of the season yeah or wendy's getting defanged which is not the thing that i'm gonna want to see either uh so mm -hmm. both of those are not the results that i necessarily want from this thing by giving andy more agency and figuring out wendy um but i don't know let's take the drama wherever we can get the drama, I guess. But I absolutely, I absolutely clocked that like uh, Bradford Luke, much more like sweet little, like, you know, like he, puppy in love sort of thing going on between him and Wendy. And he just can't see the forest for the trees. On well, side. and I think there could be something to, we didn't talk a ton about the fact that Prince wants to, he's basically bought these prime time spots on television right. to give these chats to kind of pump up his numbers a bit. And because he's running independent and all of that, right, he's not on Democrat Republican. So he needs to be able to he's find trying, a way to be in the conversation. He wants to own the narrative. He wants right. to buy the media narrative. And so a, a true and independent, a true independent, uh, this insanely wealthy God, uh, a true independent. He's a man is, of the people, Josh. Truly. He's, able, he's able to buy the narrative. Uh, he is yeah. able to like literally just put dollars on the table and scoop up this airtime where he's just going to talk directly to the people. And it does uh, work. They say it yeah. like in the results of it's like everyone's talking about him. He's like trending on Twitter or X or whatever. Like his poll numbers are looking better. I think that also could be clouding Bradford Luke's judgment. Like just seeing good results could make him not think too, too much about what happened before it. Yeah. And so that may, if we're kind of giving him a little bit of an out, maybe that's what's going on. But the other thing that I was kind of disappointed in is when Wags is manipulating Kate, which I also think she should have caught on to because it's freaking Kate Sacker and yeah. she's a genius. Yeah. Whatever. Let's pretend that it's she wouldn't have caught on to his games. Um, She's ready to jump ship. She is. She puts in her resignation letter. She's like, I will find you a new attorney. I'm going to do this in less than three days because I can't be associated with you if I want my own career to go well. I was so disappointed that then her father convinces her to stay on board because all I want is for Kate Sacker to thrive. You I know. know? Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Would I know. Be my guess. Uh, I think it's probably not going to end terribly well for Kate Sacker unless she sees some kind. And things can change very quickly on billions. Um, like allegiances will shift. Who's in? Who's in charge? Who's on top? Like all of this can shift within the span of an episode three times. So like, do not count out Kate Sacker yet. That being said, she doubled down on the uh, on betting on the horse that the vast majority of the main characters of the show are actively trying to kill. Uh, so, like, yeah. that doesn't feel like the right spot for Sacker. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know where that where that goes. But I also was really excited about. Oh, she's gonna get out of this thing. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. I can't wait for Kate to to leave this uh, this rodeo. 
It wouldn't surprise me. Like you said, things change so quickly uh, and allegiances shift so easily on this show. It wouldn't surprise me if we're in the episode 9, 10, 11 territory yeah. and Kate switches sides and she's fine. Can I offer a, like the most outside but like super billions possibility yes. of a thing to happen? What happens in the world where Mike Prince, independent, man of the people, eventually selects Kate Sacker as his running mate. What happens yeah. in the world where we're looking at Prince Sacker as the ticket? And then what happens in that world if Prince gets elected, but scandal causes him to have to resign and leave? And by the end of Billions, Jess, we're looking at President Kate Sacker. Okay. I would what happens that. if that's the world that we're heading towards? I did think that when he was trying to convince like her to like stay on board. Like no chance, but I just no. want to try and manifest it. But I, I did have a similar thought, at least to the extent that I thought Prince might offer her VP when she was trying to leave. Like, I thought maybe he was going to somehow she promise has her no that. no profile. No profile. No, of her. course not. Um, But he he's, he's an egomaniac. He thinks he can make anything happen. So it wouldn't exactly surprise me if he did it. Um, I would love that because I'll, I only want good things for Kate. I just yeah. think I just I love her so much. I think she's one of the most intelligent people on the show. And that's why it disappointed me a little bit that she I mean, come on. Wags could not be more transparent when he's trying to do something. He's totally. the least subtle of the trifecta. Um, which is what worries me about the trifecta. They need a Bobby Axelrod or they need someone who has the power. They yeah. don't have the power that they need. Wendy has the most power, I would say, of the three. And even she is coming up short time and time again in trying to undermine Prince and get this job done. And now she's made an enemy of Andy, which can only mean bad things. Right. I think that if Billions was a show that I cared about more for like character consistency and like the internal consistency of all of these various people being like their best versions of themselves, I yeah. might not love what's happening on Billions right now because I think you highlight really well that like Kate's not like the way that Wags Wags is really laying it on thick that like That's Kate subtle. should pick up on like why does Wags care that much and why wouldn't I report that up the ladder to to Mike that like Especially Wags really the, tried to get me out yeah the storm thing was mm -hmm. so obvious like he's not right. being subtle at all there's that I think that the stuff uh with Andy versus Wendy I think is worth underlining as well that like some of these characters seem to be acting more competently and intelligently than they normally do. And then others are acting less competently and intelligently than they normally do. And I think if there are people who are not loving the vibe on billions as a result of something like that, I totally get that. I think that that's really, yeah. really fair for me. Like, you know, this is one of the reasons why I was very reticent to podcast about billions in the first place. Jess is like, this is just a vibe show for me. It's, like, it's, a hang, like it's, it's a hangout show for me. It's a vibe show. I want yes. Triple H to show up and have like a really meaningful pump up talk with Chuck Rhodes in the middle of like WWE Central. Whatever's what is WWE headquarters called? SummerSlam Raw? I don't know. Super rare uh, television wrestling event location arena. I don't know what it's called, but he's there. He was he's yeah, he was at the Raw Chuck. Arena, whatever that is. <laughs> he's there and he's telling Chuck how to do this. This is how you'd make John Malkovich a baby face like I don't care like they give me more it's of silly. that like with like the like the boom 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 music underneath all of it just like the pump like I don't know the, the vibe of billions is what I care about talking about it intelligently comes like 
fourth or fifth for me when it comes to the priority yeah. list. But for people who are like, I really care about these characters. I really care about like the sanctity of the story. I can imagine it doesn't feel phenomenal with some of the things that are happening on the show right now. I totally get it. I view the show. So I have like two Chinese food places that I like to order from. Yeah. One is like fancier and has better quality food. But sometimes you're like, I just want a ton of variety in my Chinese food. I don't want to have to pay a lot of money. I'm going to go for the cheap Chinese yeah. food, get a ton of it, eat my fill and have leftovers for three days. Yes. That's what billions is. And like you go no further than Mike Prince having a conversation with Wendy about how he's become, how did I become Lex Luthor? I know when he is a bald man who is yeah. running for president. Yes. Yeah. Like, wait, bro. Luther, uh, people might not know that he also ran for president. Yes. So, uh, and I believe one uh, yes i believe I believe you're right but it's just so funny to me that i'm like man dude bro you're a white bald man running <laughs> for president and you're like what am i lex luther yeah <laughs> and you're rich and you're a billionaire you're rich you know what's funny people when um when breaking bad was hot um and brian cranston was bald for it oh, and man of yeah. steel was just around the corner everyone's like cast brian cranston as lex luther and it really <laughs> was the laziest thing because brian cranston has like bald. a totally normal head of hair like a beautiful head mm -hmm. of hair to the point that tim robinson wanted to get his hair cut like him <laughs> uh just cranston uh but Corey stoll would actually be an incredible lex luther he would he plays a really he plays a villain really really well he's especially... already playing him to a certain degree so like it would be redundant but like the lex luther comparison i don't know why i hadn't like really seen it until he said it but then he he's says it's like buddy think about what you just said you're Lex Luthor who thinks he's Superman, but you're Lex Luthor. Just go retire. Like, do whatever. Yeah. You don't have to do all of this. You've got more money than God. Yeah. it's It was an incredible line. And it's yeah. it's what makes Billions Billions is, like, the fact that we do have, like, WWE, like, wrestlers, like, guesting on the show. That we have Mike not knowing why people are calling him Lex Luthor. Like, it's, it's incredible. But it's yeah. not – again. And, again, you have – a storyline about a man who is becoming a father post-mortem because <laughs> right, of some procedure right, like that right, is this right, show right, you know right, right so right, i think yeah <laughs> knowing that what we know about this show i'm not too upset about those little inconsistencies in the characters. not yet anyway i mean no. we'll see where it goes but right now the vibe is there for me but for people who aren't really loving it especially because there is not as much acts as maybe you thought there would be based yeah, on like fair. the promise of the return of Bobby Axelrod. Like I, I would understand it. And like this episode for me, the fact that it had a Chuck and Axe scene, that it had a pair of Chuck and Axe scenes. It was like, man, this is, this has really been missing uh, from, from the show. Yeah. So as we close out, I do think I would love to end back there with the Chuck and the Axe of it all. Jess, what's the favor going to be? Uh, because those were the terms. You help yes. Johnny Malk. You get Malco back into the U.S. of A and uh, do him a solid so that he doesn't murder me and I will <laughs> owe you one. And you know from fighting me all these years that my word is my bond. And even Chuck, over the course of this episode, he is like getting reminders along the way that the adversary is the one who respects you the most because you were so dangerous to them. They know what you can possibly do. Yeah. Is it going to be uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend? My old arch nemesis is my friend again. What is the favor going to be? 
How is this going to come back into play? Because obviously it's going to come back into play. Yeah, they were really heavy-handed about um, Chuck being on the phone with Axe when he's watching Mike Prince in this, like, primetime spot that he has on television, right? Like, even going so far as to, like, zoom in on Prince's face on the screen. I feel like it has to be Prince. That has to be the reason that Chuck is calling in Bobby because I can't imagine any other adversary that Chuck has that can go up against Chuck Besides Bobby, you know what I yeah. mean? Like it's it's only it's Prince and Bobby are the two that have been able to kind of thwart him. And so I don't know who else he would pull that trigger on because that is like you don't just you don't just pull the ripcord. You know, you really have to think about it before you decide the, you're going to use that. Favor. The better question is like, how is it going to come into play? Right. Like, so yeah. what is the favor going to be like? The favor is going to be aimed at Prince for sure. But mm-hmm. what is it that Chuck can get? acts to do that's gonna take prince off the board i wonder if it's something to do with his wife interesting like hit him where it hurts personally oh my gosh his kids he has a wife and kids like oh my gosh i know it's like low blow but like also with andy coming back into the picture i do just feel like there's there there's something there there yeah yeah to do i feel like acts stealing uh like not like stealing stealing but somehow like robbing uh robbing prince blind uh because again like yeah one eye uh, maybe even two eyes jess are on two separate billions spinoffs right now (laughs) millions and trillions and bobby axelrod could drift to either one of those depending on how this goes right now he's a man in the millions minds right you know like yeah he got he got knocked down several pegs he has his freedom he's in europe he's dealing with what he could deal but it wasn't the old world if he's able to like snipe mike prince and if he's able to just like pole vault himself to like global status Mm -hmm. uh he could be the trillions guy uh, he could be the trillions guy. So could he just somehow, is there some sort of uh, super fancy finance magic mumbo jumbo that can occur for Bobby Axelrod to pilfer Mike Prince and be the richest man of them all? Um, it could I'd be, happen. I'd be interested. I'd be interested to see what that looks like, but I don't know. I don't know. But all he we know is that it's a promise people. of a future team up. Yeah, I mean, he could take his people, right? Like, we know no one likes Mike Prince at Mike Prince Capital. He could come yeah. in and, and swipe them all. I think it really hurt if he took Scooter. I don't see Scooter really shifting allegiances at this point. Um, but uh, that, that uh, what was it? He was going to play for the Philadelphia Symphony or something like that? The Philharmonic Symphony. Philharmonic the New York Symphony. Philharmonic, yes. Yeah, he it, it, come, back, come back to bite him. I don't know. Anything's know. possible on billions. Anything that we is, know. Anything is possible on billions. We're having fun talking about billions here. We will be back next week at the DMV. Oh no. I, the last place I want to be, to be honest. The DMV uh is the name of the next episode of Billions. DMV episode seven. Gosh, are we renewing our license? Huh. It also seems like a bad time. Could it stand for something else? Hmm. Um dollar it like dollar bill. So D uh-huh. for dollar bill. Uh doll- man of the something. Yeah. <laughs> Do more violence. I don't know. Oh my! D- DMV. Uh, that's the. It's like, the opposite the, of do no harm. Yeah, it's the <laughs> motto no of violence. taking down Mike Prince. 
so maybe we'll see. I don't know. I think they'll probably have some sort of uh, uh, license renewal storyline that will be like tangentially related to whatever is happening on Billion. Yeah. We'll be here to talk about it, of course. Make sure you are subscribed. PostShowRecaps.com slash subscribe will take you to our subscriber hub. You can see all the various things that we're working on here on PSR. And if you want to make sure that you are never missing the Billions podcast, specifically, PostShowRecaps.com slash succession is the RSS feed. You could also do PostShowRecaps.com slash Billions. It's just going to take you to the succession feed. Uh, so you can check us out there. You want to watch these on YouTube, you could do so. PostShowRecaps.com slash YouTube for the video versions of these podcasts. And if you want to get more involved, patreon.com slash post show recaps. Send Josh Wiggler and Jess Sterling to the Northern Lights, you cowards. Yes. Uh, do it. Patreon.com slash post show recaps. Jess, where can people find you? What do you got going on? You can find me at the Jess Sterling on Twitter. Uh, sex education is coming back, baby. Netflix. It's on Netflix. Season four, the final season, is coming up in just a week's time. So don't forget to check out those two preseason pods we put out going through Otis Meaves and Eric's storylines of course we get into some of the side characters because some of the side characters are some of the best characters uh so go check out those two podcasts i'm gonna be podcasting about that with ariel and adam and i could not be more excited and then josh you and i are finishing up community it's ending so soon i know it ends this week for us community building reaches the end of the line with the series finale podcast just a few days away you feeling emotional about this jess it's not just billions that's wrapping up it's, it's community all over again yeah, uh, as I said to my co-host on Shit 90 Shows taught me, uh, Sarah, about finishing up Dawson's Creek, it's like, it really feels like the end of an era. All of yeah. my, like, beginning things, like when I started podcasting both on PSR, on Shit 90 Shows taught me, they're all kind of ending simultaneously, and yeah. it's putting me in a very, like, cathartic, nostalgic place. The the you know potential upside of this, Jess, is maybe you're moving from your billions to your trillions. Era. I would love that for me. You know, I would love that <laughs> for you as well. Let's start so. my trillions era now, please. Let's not go reduced to the millions era, though. Definitely not. I, feel like. I mean, millions would still be great, but like, let's go trillions. Let's aim mm -hmm. high for, for trillions. Uh, you can find me at Round Howard, uh, wherever you can find me on the internet, including right here at Post Show Recaps, doing a bunch of stuff. Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon is pretty good. Battlestar Galactica, Down the Hatch. Mike Bloom and I are finishing season one this week, and it's going to be a doozy. And 30 Years Greater, uh, the podcast I'm doing each week with Rob Sesternino, where we are looking back at a movie from 30 years earlier. Coming this week, The Good Son. Have you seen The Good Son before, Jess? I, of course I haven't. But I did look it up, and I saw that it had Macaulay Culkin in it and Elijah Wood in it. And I was like, what is this Do you movie? know anything more about it than that or no? Besides that, it's also genreed as a thriller slash horror. I know nothing. Go watch The Good Son and okay. report back to me. I think I look no further and just go and check that out and tell me how that went. Uh, okay, very great. curious to know how that goes. <laughs> we'll be talking about that on the 30 Years Greater podcast. You can learn more about all of these podcasts at postshowrecaps.com slash subscribe. We'll be back next week with Billion Season 7, Episode 7, uh, DMV. And until we see you at the DMV, you can go ahead and... 